Hello and welcome to the October 10th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So for what it's worth, it's very good to be back. It's been uh, quite a few days since we have spoken with each other. And uh, it's probably been about a week, maybe even longer. Um, And, you know, Probably for the first time, and I know I've had physical ailments before that I've complained about, specifically, if I remember correctly, my tooth, which, by the way, I mean, you want to talk about this freaking tooth. Just so you know, I went for a dental checkup uh, last week, and I actually had to have the dentist, um, I mean, take the tooth off. Let's put it, let's, let's be real here. Just literally take my tooth off and, you know, do some work on it and then stick it back on. And here's what it comes down to. It'll never be good. It'll never be right. And it has nothing to do with the implant itself. Thank goodness. It's all based on the cosmetic piece. So it's uncomfortable. Um, you know, but it's, it, it has its days where it's, you know, I don't even know it's there, which is kind of cool too, but nevertheless, Um, When we talk about physical ailments, you know, I I think I've been pretty, uh, pretty hush-hush about most things that bother me physically. You know, this is a bipolar podcast. It's usually about mental things that go on, mental uh, pain that we might be in, mental suffering, mental recovery, uh, substance abuse, things like that, you know. And I will tell you that what has kept me away over the last few weeks has been my physical health. And I believe we got into it last time in terms of um, finding the blood in my urine. And of course, like every other episode that we do, I don't remember a damn thing that I went over with last time. But in a nutshell, guys, everybody, I went and I had a CT exam, uh, a CT scan, and um, they found some stuff on my kidneys. They found some stuff on my liver. I'm not really too sure what it is. Um, I am going to the doctor today for a follow-up, and uh, I have to tell you, you know, I think we talked about the procedure, so, I, I mean, the procedure is very simple, I, I mean, I don't know the name of it, I've looked it up a thousand times, it starts with a C, um, it might as well stand for camera in your, uh, another C word, I, I hate to say it, but basically, they take a long tube, with a camera stuck on the end of it and they slide it into your penis and they go all the way through it and so they could see the bladder and uh, if I'm not mistaken I apologize if you hear some cars in the background Mr. Joe is outside it's beautiful I got my car windows open and uh, just sitting and recording but nevertheless um, you know I think I might have mentioned that I will never ever ever do that procedure. And if I haven't, I'm mentioning it now. The problem is they are throwing this word cancer around quite a bit over the last week or so. So I'm a little concerned. They're speaking about bladder cancer. Um, I'll tell you this. When I called the office 
um, and the, you know, the person answered the phone and, you know, I said, hey, I'm calling to make an appointment. I had to make a follow-up appointment for the testosterone and for, um, to find out some results about this CT scan. So when I called, I said exactly that. Hi, you know, you guys actually called me. I called you. We've been playing phone tag. You wanted me to make an appointment. Uh, so here I am. You know, what are your days? What are your times? What's your phone number, sir? So I give them my phone number. Apparently that helps them look up their patients. They take their phone number. Can you hold on a second? Uh, sure, no problem. They come back and they say, okay, so we're going to schedule the exam for the and we'll just call it the camera exam. And there's a big brief moment of silence. And I said, excuse me? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, it's right in the notes here. You know, you're scheduled for the procedure. I go, hold on a second. I go, let me explain something to you. I said, nobody has ever had this discussion with me. Nobody ever told me this was next. Nobody ever told me I had to do this. What is going on? Well, we have to make sure it's cancer. And I said, excuse me? I'm sorry, we have to make sure it's not cancer. I go, dear God, help me. I said, put a nurse on the phone, please. You know, and I'm not that type of guy, guys. I'm not like, you're a secretary. You don't know. With that being said, I've had quite a few secretaries diagnose me, and they've all been wrong, okay, and scared the living hell out of me. But, you know, the nurse gets on the phone, and I explained to her, I said, you know, nobody ever told me I had to do this. I don't understand why it's in my chart, why it was never mentioned to me, and why you're trying to schedule me for it. And she explained to me that, you know, what they really look for in the CT scan are kidney stones. And they found none of those. So this is the next step. Uh, my symptoms are consistent with bladder cancer, so they need to check my bladder, ultimately is what it comes down to. You know, we went back and forth a little bit. I said, you know, listen, Deidre, her name was. I even remember her name. Deidre, I am so scared to do this. And she says to me, she says, uh, listen, she goes, it's only 30 seconds. I said, dear God. I go, do you have a penis? Like, really, Deidre, do you have a penis? And she says, no, I do not, Mr. Joe. But I got to tell you, she came back with some damn good response because she goes, no, I don't have a penis. She goes, but let me ask you a question. I said, yeah. She goes, how many children do you have? I said, I have four kids. Did you push any of them out? <laughs> and I said, actually, no, you're right. Um, so I can't even imagine, you know, I'm a little spoiled in the sense where, you know, my, my wife did not push very long. So and she's got a very high tolerance for pain. And as much as I don't want to think about um, my ex-wife, and believe me, I don't. I think more about the birth of my two children. It's very sad, guys. My my old relationship, I mean, this is how sad it was, that even while my children were being born, was I excited? Yes, I was excited to have kids, but not to be partnering with somebody as a parent. So, I, I you know, there was no... There was no, oh, God, I love you, and hugs. I mean, me and my wife now, you know, that baby came out, rested on her chest. I laid there with it. We hugged. We kissed. I mean, the way, you know, a, a real childbirth should be with your partner. Um, nevertheless, you know, <laughs> we got into that all based on the comment that uh, Deidre said to me. But, no, I have never experienced childbirth. So I would imagine, based on the stories I've heard and the, you know, complaints that I've received in the past about what their 
pregnancy and childbirth was like, it's evidently clear that it's not the, you know, the most comforting thing in the world, which, listen, it's very clear also that this procedure is not comfortable. They numb it, apparently, and I said to myself, well, how the hell are you going to numb it? I mean, if you're going to numb it, don't you got to stick something in there to numb it? Uh, guys, I, here I am. I, I must have mentioned this already. We've, we've talked about this because I'm doing the exact same thing that I did the last time I was sitting and doing a podcast, which is cupping my penis in protection of the thing that's going to go into my thing. I, I just, I can't. But for the sake of my children, it's going to have to be scheduled and I've got to figure out what's going on. And just so you know, I actually made a list of... Um, symptoms, and I I will tell you this, they are very consistent with a urinary tract infection. So when I go in there today, I don't know if this matters or if it's even, you know, worth mentioning, but I am going to say, hey, is there uh, any way you could test me for a urinary tract infection again and we could just make this all go away? Because I have to say, and again, I don't like to rely on Dr. Google, But based on my symptoms, it does appear that I have a UTI, at least that's wishful thinking, and I will say this also. I woke up this morning, and, you know, I've had back pain in the past, but when I tell you guys, and, you know, I'm on four Advil right now, and it's still not gone, and, you know, we're talking about hours and hours ago that this started, I woke up with it. So I have to say to myself, again, based on Dr. Google, I wonder if I had a UTI, started in the bladder, which is where they all start. And because I haven't addressed it, you know, it spreads, it's spreading now to my kidney. Because, again, guys, this is the worst back pain that I've ever felt. And, you know, even my wife, who says that, you know, Mr. Dramatic Joe, um, she even, you know, saw me in pain this morning. And, you know, she checked in on me because I could barely walk. So 4.45, Mr. Joe time today, I will be at my urologist's office. My wife has actually insisted on joining me at this appointment, which, listen, I'm not thrilled about, but I understand. It's usually the way couples do things. You want to be supportive for each other, and the truth is she's 100% right. She should be there. Um, because a lot of times I don't listen, nor do I remember anything. So it's always good to have another person able to sit there and listen. But for me, guys, it's more about, and and I'm never embarrassed in front of my wife. It's just, I think it's just denial. And, you know, by her coming with me, it makes it even more real and, and that much more scary. So that's where we are at in terms of, uh, you know, my, my overall physical health. And, you know, clearly, when you're physically not well, for those of us who have bipolar disorder, uh, you know, it usually affects us mentally. And I have to tell you, thank goodness, it has not. It has been, you know, and I, guys, I, by the way, I don't know if you hear my phone ringing off the wall here, but it's rang twice and I've had to put it to voicemail. I apologize if you heard that stuff. Um, I just don't know why people can't leave me alone. You know, clearly they don't know I'm podcasting right now. But I would like to be left alone. So, physically, I'm a disaster. Sorry if you heard another um, another uh, ring there. But I just this just can't continue to happen. Um, so physically, guys, you know, not doing too well. Don't feel great. But again, mentally, you know, it's been 
it's been it's definitely been uh, a, a good run for me now to uh, add to the personal problems that have gone on and this doesn't affect me personally and by the way we are going to do some um, if we don't get it to today because we're almost 15 minutes in already I have an entire podcast prepared um, and I look hear that I even have some notes I mean they're pretty sadly before I went before I hit record, I went over my notes, and I realized that I don't remember writing any of this, nor do, I, nor do I know what any of it means. So once again, we'll be going off the top of my head, but maybe this will give me some key points to speak about, if anything at all. So I'm, I was hoping we could get to that, but I do want to tell you one more thing, um, you know, because I know several of you out there, if not all of you, are always concerned about my life. Um, you know, you're always writing to me, talking about my mom and asking me about my parents. And, um, you know, many of you, when my father passed, you reached out to me to let me know how sorry you are. And by the way, I, I tell you, I cried my eyes out yesterday on the way home. Um, it just was not easy at all, uh, you know, thinking about him yesterday. But what has prompted all this involvement with my dad and my mom is... Um, just last week, uh, what are we, I believe Monday of last week, I, uh, Monday, 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 was it Monday, it might have been Tuesday, who knows, all I know is I had to go to church with, um, with my wife and my two kids because my daughter will be getting baptized and we had to sit through some weird thing, I don't know, it wasn't a class, we did that one also, but... I don't even know why we were there, to be honest with you. What I do know is I got a phone call while I was sitting with this church lady. I ran out, and my sister, she says, um, Mommy's in the hospital. She was just taken by ambulance. I said, Dear God, here we go. I said, Well, what's going on, man? I said, You know, did she lose it mentally? I mean, she snapped, I guess, you know? I mean, and this is why I was going to do pause because, you know, in talking to my mother over the last two weeks, I mean, she is clearly in a pause state of mind, which stands for post-acute withdrawal syndrome. And that is, you know, just so you know, it's basically a withdrawal uh, as a result of those horrible, toxic, poisonous effects that alcohol has on you and has on your brain. Okay, and we'll get more into that. Don't worry about that. Again, if we have time at the end, maybe we'll start this podcast. But nevertheless, I, um, you know, I got the call. I said, dear God, what's going on? And, and I got to tell you, you know, with my mother, you know, being a mental case, I'd say it's usually 80-20, meaning you got a 20% chance of her story being true and unfortunately an 80% chance of her story being false. Any woman... Okay, that you walk into the home and you say, hey, Ma, where are you going? You know, because she's got suitcases packed. Any woman who turns to, the, to their son and says, I'm going to the hospital and has packed her suitcases, you know, clearly is not going for a very good reason, especially when you claim it's your heart. I mean, I just, you can't make this stuff up. But nevertheless, my sister said she was taken because of her heart. I said, okay. And uh, I went to visit her the next day, and to my unfortunate surprise, uh, my mother's really, really not good. She's really not good. I did think I was actually going to lose her, to be honest with you. She's back home now, but what ended up happening was her blood levels and hemoglobin dropped so drastically 
you know, it made her instantly anemic, but dropped to levels where, you know, she should have been dropping dead very soon. So she ended up going through three blood transfusions, all of which did not help at all. Finally, her numbers started coming up, and they were convinced, and they still are convinced, that she has internal bleeding somewhere, and they just cannot find out where it is because they did an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, and, you know, other than a couple of ulcers and this and that, nothing that could be causing internal bleeding. They do want her to do something for the small intestine now, um, you know, which, and believe it or not, they actually discharged her from the hospital, not so much for being well, but because the procedure that she has to get done does not happen in a hospital, and it's like astronomical in terms of, you know, the price. But my mother has insurance, and the hospital just literally will not allow that procedure to take place in the hospital because insurance won't cover it because technically it's a, um, you know, in outpatient an outpatient procedure, whereas she basically has to swallow a big pill that has a camera on it, and I believe it goes in her body, and specifically they're looking for the small intestine to see if she's got something going on in there, and maybe she's bleeding from there, but they can't find the internal bleeding. Well, guess what? You know, my sister and I, and more so my sister, she, she prompted, she came up with the thought, really, I mean, and I have to agree with her, and I don't know why I didn't think of this to begin with. Um, and believe me when I tell you, I made sure I called the primary care physician, all right, um, because he was going in to discharge her a couple of days ago. And I called and I said, listen, I said, I know, you know, you're going to be one of the three that has to discharge her, the cardiologist, the gastro, and yourself. I said, but I think there's a big piece of the puzzle that's been missing here all along, sir. I said, is the fact that my mother has not told anybody that she's been drinking every day all day for 20 plus years, smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, easily, if not more. I said, did you know this doctor? No, she claimed that she doesn't drink. Well, she doesn't, you know, that's my mother's way of, you know, showing everybody that she's clean and sober and tends to forget about the past, you know, not only the past abuse of the alcohol, but the past abuse of people and the yelling and the screaming and the torturing and the insults and all that nonsense. She doesn't remember any of that stuff. But nevertheless, you know, I said to the guy, I said, anybody ever think about the stomach? Like, I know they go into the stomach, but they're really not looking at that, apparently. I said, doesn't alcohol eat away at your stomach lining? Like, you know, oh, we got to look into that. And I've heard nothing else since. So she is a disaster. She's home alone. She's not happy. Her and my sister are at each other's throats. I mean, my sister woke up 4 a.m. by 5.30. She was in that house. She cleaned that house from top to bottom because my mother wanted cleaning ladies there. Sister took it upon herself, cleaned everything. And yesterday I got a message. You know, your sister, not a message, talking to my mother in real time. You know, your sister, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative, but she broke my effing window. I go, what, what window, Mom? My bedroom window. And I said, okay. I said, so let me come over and look at it. I said, it's not the glass, right? Yeah, it is the glass. I, I said, well, what do you think I'm going to be able to do? And she says, well, you could solder it. I said, oh, dear God, help me. Uh, and she goes, you need to do my screen door, too. And I said, listen, Ma, stop right there. I said, you need to make me a list 
and when you're ready, I will come there, and I will take care of all these things for you. And her follow-up comment to that was, are you sure? Are you sure your wife is going to let you? I, I, I said, excuse me? And let me tell you something, Ma. I said, no offense. The other night when you needed to be picked up from the hospital when I offered to and you denied it and said you feel more comfortable with my sister, she knows your medications, and which I'm totally okay with. Um, plus, she said she didn't want me to see her like that. I said, Ma, I didn't want to come get you. <laughs> I said, no offense. I said, I was doing it for you know, out of respect for my sister to help out. And, you know, because according to my wife, I was not going to have a lot of time to see you. So it was her, and she's right. You know, she made the suggestion, you know, listen, you need to go there today. You need to go there tomorrow. You're not going to see her, blah, blah, blah. So it was really my wife who made that suggestion. And of course, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, but you know, that woman, <laughs> you would think she'd pick up the phone and see if I'm dead or alive. And I said, listen, Mom, I said, I understand where you're coming from. I said, but here's the problem. I said, Ma, not everybody is going to forgive and forget as quickly and easily as you want them to. I said, little do you recall that the day that our father died, you called her screaming about her parents, leaving messages, F them, F that. These are two people that have been like parents to me and nothing but good to me. You have left my wife message after message of insults, F you, the, 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 you know, and, and this I left out and I shouldn't have. And you know what? I wish my wife would have, you know, been able to be near me to, to, to repeat it. But, you know, she has a relationship with my ex-wife now, spitefully. And that's unacceptable, mainly because that woman has put us both through hell. And I don't understand why somebody would want, and guys, I'm not normally like this. I got two mutual friends, okay? One that I don't talk to, one that I do. Do you think if I care, that I care if the two friends talk to one another? No. No, but this is a person that I was married to that has absolutely sucked me dry of every penny I own, has sent text after text, threats and cursing and making fun of my wife. And, you know, I mean, every uh, things, guys, that you can't... I had to call the cops on her. I mean, so anyway, that's the real reason, man, that, you know, my wife is not up to talking to her right now. You know what? Normally I'd be like, and which is what I used to do in my previous marriage because I never recognized the things that my mother was doing or at least I was just, I turned a blind eye, a blind eye to it and, you know, I would, you need to respect my mother, you know. And meanwhile, the respect should be mutual and the lack of respect from my mother to my ex-wife is just, there are no words to describe the relationship that they had. It was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And again, I don't blame anybody for making me become a drug addict. I became a drug addict because I have bipolar disorder and schizoaffective disorder, bipolar type. And I didn't know what the hell was going on in my brain. And I discovered drugs and it made me feel better. Yes. But at the same token, it was an escape from those two witches. The Wicked Witch of the East and the West, okay? So, you know, I, I don't even know how the hell I got on that, but I really don't, actually. It's kind of sad. <laughs> so, 
um, I guess my mother's illness and why I'm calling them both witches. Oh, you know, and, and again, this is, what I, this is what I was saying. I used to tell my ex-wife, you need to respect her. You need to show her respect. She's my mother. And, you know, I, I never took into account the fact that, you know, my ex-wife was being tortured and disrespected. And that's not okay. That's not okay as adults. It's not. It's not okay anytime. Okay, but, you know, grown adults with kids and you have grandchildren and, you know, it's just not acceptable. And, you know, my wife is not going to put up for it with it. And I don't blame her. And you know what? I got her back. I got her back. I'm still going to be there for my mom. But no, my wife won't be coming with me. And you, you want to talk bad about my wife? Guess what? It, this is not 15, 20 years ago with my ex-wife when I would join in with you. You know, you hate her, I hate her, the whole crew hates her, the whole family can't stand her, we'll talk nonsense about her until I'm blue in the face, okay? That was 20 years ago. had no issues doing that at all, okay? But, sorry, 20 years later, 2019, new marriage, new family, new kids, addition to my beautiful two children that are older, you're not going to talk about my wife, no way. You want to talk about her behind her back to other people, that's fine, but not to me, Anyway, wow, so guys, we sadly did not even get to my content today. So let's take a quick look. Um, we're going to do pause. We're going to talk about not only post-acute withdrawal syndrome, but we'll get into some acute symptoms and, and what goes on when withdrawals first happen. We've discussed it before. Um, we'll talk about some definitions uh, in addition to what I gave you and some of the ways that medically this is defined in terms of pause. I will tell you this, that I believe it belongs in a DSM-5, in a, in a uh, psychiatric book. And right now there are doctors out there and psychiatrists and psychologists that do not even believe it is a medical illness or a, you know, a mental illness, and I, I do you know, people don't because it's in reaction or response to a drug or an alcohol-related, you know, binge, so to speak, of, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years. So a lot of times we don't diagnose psychiatric conditions based on the fact that substances have been involved. But in this case, essentially you're not taking anything. You're not doing any substances anymore. You've passed that part. So it's not necessarily the substance that's doing it to you. And making you depressed and anxious and psychotic and hallucinate and you know all these things that will go over that I suffered from when I was on Suboxone and came off Suboxone when I had pause. But to some extent, because you're no longer drinking or doing that drug, I view it as your brain is now screwed up. And I don't care where it came from, you know. As long as you're not in the moment doing it now, then it's very hard to make a diagnosis. You can't, is he bipolar? Is he schizoaffective? Is he schizophrenic? Is he snorting cocaine? Is he doing heroin? You know, those things I could understand confusing, but because they're in the midst of abusing drugs. You know, once you've abused your drugs and you've decided to change your life, come off and, you know, be clean, so to speak, when you go through pause, in my, in my estimation, my opinion, it is a very serious, serious medical and mental illness. So 
Um, you know, we'll go over that. We'll go over all the ongoing withdrawal symptoms that come along with the pause. You know, we'll, again, we'll, we'll um, identify it. We'll talk about the medicines, the substances. And we've reviewed this in the past, guys, but this is going to be a little bit more in depth. The uh, medicines and the substances that really are in, put you in the danger zone when it comes to pause. Um, and I think that's it. I think we'll talk about wh- how we could prevent post-acute withdrawal syndrome from getting any worse, which is not easy. Um, you know, definitely go over, uh, I don't know, some stress responses and things like that. And how to treat pause. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to go over, guys. So I don't want to talk your ears off for an entire, you know, because this might be, guys, you know, good... 30 to 45 minutes in terms of podcasting, and we're almost at a half hour here, so, you know, I don't want to keep you guys on for too much longer. Um, Anything else that we have to catch up on? I don't think so. I will be seeing my kids this weekend. My daughter turned 16, my son turned 14, the whole family will be together this weekend. I'm very excited about that. Um, work is actually going great. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, I'm doing the job of probably three people, but you know what? Mentally, I'm stable. And when you're stable, guys, there's a lot that you can take care of. There's a lot that we can accomplish when we are in a stable state of mind. Um, oh, I didn't tell you guys this, but one day last week, my goodness, I forgot to take my medicine. And, you know, we've been down that road before, obviously, but, you know, um, I didn't take my morning dose, you know, so we're talking. And this is like the second time now it's happened, I'd say in the last month or so. One time my my wife drove my medicine to me and I ended up taking it much later in the day. And, you know, I should have knew the rule of thumb. And again, guys, it's different for every medication. But for those of you who might be on Lamictal, you want If you miss a dose of Lamictal, you want to take it as soon as you remember. However, if you are within the time frame or getting close to, and I would say anywhere between four, you know, any less than six hours, honestly, any less than eight hours, any less than eight hours away from your next dose, you know, I would not be taking it. So in other words, let's say you forget your dose, you pop it, but you're going to have to pop your nighttime dose again in seven hours or six or five or four. I would just leave it be, okay? You know, you're going to skip that dose. If you are too close to your next dose, skip it. Goodbye. Later. Okay? If you remember early enough, take it. Now, for those of you who might be on Wellbutrin, and listen very well here, okay, everybody, and I can tell you this, I know now from experience, but also based on the manufacturer's website, if you miss your Wellbutrin dose, it doesn't matter when you remember, don't take it, okay? Well, you know, I shouldn't, I was going to say if you dose a second time, but really it actually affects you the second day or the next day. Don't take it, guys, okay? It made me an, an animal, honestly, um, the first time, and then... Sadly, the second time when I didn't take any of it because I followed the rules that I just gave, I mean, I have to tell you, I was just as screwed up when I took it late. It really had an effect on me. It did. Um, It was was only a day or two. Um, It was more just about anxiety and, 
uh, just a nervousness, a, a, you know, feeling of always being stressed. So, and by the way, guys, just so you know, I have, you know, the symptoms that are going along with my physical stuff other than the back. I mean, I have not stopped urinating for weeks. And I've gotten up a lot in the past, you know, in the middle of the night, so it's always been an issue with me. But I'm telling you guys, I mean, there are times where, you know, I counted the other night, I was up 18 times. That's not normal. You know, I'm, every 10 minutes I'm going to the bathroom. So something's not right. We know that. We already knew something wasn't right with Mr. Joe from the moment that you hit play <laughs> when, when my, my voice came over your airwaves, so to speak. Um, but things are definitely not right down there. And you know what, guys? If I got anything going for Mr. Joe, it's it's what is um, what God gave me down there. Let's put it that way, okay? Listen, guys, if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or a drug addiction, for that matter, I ask that you continue to support that person the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or a drug addiction, I ask that you keep battling, keep fighting, and most importantly, soldier on. Thanks, guys. I missed you. I'll be back in a couple of days. We'll do pause. Everybody have a great night. Talk to you again real soon.